Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, our show continues. And joining us now, the host of The Late Kick with Josh Pate is Josh Pate as we talk University of Miami recruiting. And uh, Josh, I know you've been busy Hurricanes recruiting class, Mario Cristobal, what would be your perspective of, of what he achieved? Well, uh, the perspective I don't think can be given unless we also frame it against the backdrop of the season. The season, of course, did not go the way Miami fans wanted it to go. Uh, but I think during that ongoing season, there was a big misnomer. And that misnomer was, they're doing so bad on the field, this is going to impact recruiting. And people who thought that, respectfully, I don't think really know a lot about what they're talking about when it comes to recruiting. Because the worst he did on the field, the worst they as a team did on the field this year, I only thought it was going to bolster their recruiting effort because it just lends more guarantees. Not that you recruit that way, but if you're a five- or four-star caliber player and you're watching that product and you want to go to Miami, uh, the door's wide open for you. So I never thought the regular season was going to impact it, but yet I heard that a lot said in the public sphere. Having said all that, I thought it was a fantastic class. I thought that they addressed, especially along the lines of scrimmage, big-time needs. The offensive linemen, they landed. They landed two five-star offensive linemen, plus a transfer out of the portal from Alabama named Javion Cohen, who all three, I think – and I don't think it's it's too big a stretch when I say this. I think they may have been able to crack the rotation for Miami last year. And that includes the two high school kids playing the seniors in high school. Yeah. That's how good those two are. Yeah. So they did that. I think they spread it around a little bit. I you know they're still in it for some kids. And also, I really really think it probably it probably steadied a lot of the concern that folks have for you know did, are we really getting what we thought we'd get? Well, you should have thought you were getting an ace recruiter who can eventually do big things on the field. You're seeing part one of that right now. Why has Mario Cristobal, what makes him different at the University of Miami, recruiting for the University of Miami, compared to, yeah, might be a little bit unfair, but compared to uh, who Miami has sent out there in the past, why is Mario different? Uh, Mario Cristobal is world-class, and everyone knows he's world-class in recruiting. Uh, you, you don't have to hide from that. You don't apologize for it. It's just the way it is. And it, he also he, he's really brilliant in understanding the psychology and marketing aspects of recruiting. And some people would tell you that doesn't matter. It matters a whole heck of a lot. And what I mean by that, I've seen Nick Saban do it. I've seen Kirby Smart do it in the past. Uh, actually, Dan Lanning at Oregon is really good at doing this, where Mario Cristobal just came from. Guys who understand there's one part of this, which is just talent acquisition. There's another part of it that understands how to message my program to the world. And that part, he really gets uh, – we had him on the show yesterday. He was phenomenal as always. And what, what I always hear behind the scenes when we talk to kids, when we talk to high school coaches, uh, when we talk to parents, is he's also very relatable. He, he and his staff, spearheaded by him, they're extremely good in the living room. 
And that's how you recruit. You forge relationships. You sell the vision of your program, and he certainly has no problem doing that. And then at the end of the day, you've also got NIL in your back pocket. You're very well positioned geographically, so that I think helps you in the portal too. There's not a lot that that is really pushing against Miami if you've got the right guy in the driver's seat, and they got the right guy in the driver's seat. Now, that's why all of a sudden it seemed to the world like what happened yesterday kind of came out of the blue. Well, it didn't come out of the blue at all. Uh, it's, it's been in the works for a while. It's just that yesterday was the first day that a lot of people have really paid attention to it. Josh Pate, the late kick with Josh Pate uh, on the 247 Sports Network is our guest. Uh, I leave the recruiting stuff to guys like you. I just prefer to call them when they become hurricanes. Uh, however, that being said, Josh, uh, I spend a lot of time going to, college, going to high school football games, and I've often thought, just sitting there in the stands and observing parents, you can learn a lot. And I think one of the things that Mario Cristobal brings to the table to add to, to what you just said is often you'll hear, wow, Coach Saban's coming to dinner tonight, or Coach Day's coming to dinner tomorrow night. Coach Sweeney's coming in town to see my son. And now the University of Miami has Mario Cristobal, who's in that same wheelhouse, the guy that has the same kind of credibility. And I thought, you know what? That also is going to help tilt the odds toward Miami. Yeah, and it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to hear that echoed by the actual players, the actual parents. Um, Because, frankly, the more you follow recruiting, the more you hear sort of like a hype machine that's put behind a lot of programs where they'll tell you that's true. A lot of coaches want to tell you, man, when, when me and my staff roll in, it's a big deal. Well, sometimes that's reality, sometimes it's not. The ones you mentioned, yes, it's reality for them. Uh, there's some other ones out there where, where they say this. I kind of look at him with a side eye. Uh, really? Who are you talking to? Okay, so anyway, uh, Mario Cristobal is that, though. Now, here's the follow-up. I'm always a believer you get a 24-month grace period when it comes to marrying recruiting and on-field results. So what he inherited there is what it is. Uh, what their record was this year is what it is. Now, as a result of that, a lot of the kids, and I would encourage any of the listeners who haven't looked already, scroll up and down that list of signees because a lot of those kids are going to be on the field next year. Uh, they will probably show peaks that that kind of give you a sense they're capable of big things. They'll probably be inconsistent at times. They'll be growing pains. But the 2023 team will be better because of today and yesterday. The 2024 team will have its nucleus made up of what happens today and what happened yesterday. And, of course, you still got the portal that also blends into that. But you are absolutely right. There are about four or five names in this country that when they roll into town, people know about it, and he is one of them. I would also pick up on your point. And, uh, again, I kind of uh, uh, probably maneuver this one in a gray area because I call the games. But when you call the games and you study the opponent, and I've said this for a long time, and – this has been a real battle, as you know, down here. Uh, is it coaching or is it is it their roster? And whenever anybody asks what's wrong with Miami, I would always say roster management. And uh, Miami's played some games the last couple of years against the heavy hitters, Clemson, Alabama, LSU, even Florida. And I'd look at it and say, man, uh, there aren't a lot of guys on this roster that could help the other team's roster. And I think he uh, he clearly understood that. And a, a class like this certainly addresses that situation. 
Yeah, it does. And I can tell you, he's pretty brutally honest about it, as you've heard. I mean, publicly, you don't have to even have his number or talk to him off the record. You, We have heard him publicly this year uh, talk about his team, what he inherited. I've talked with him behind the scenes about the same sort of thing. He's echoed the same sentiment. Uh, and he knows. And he knows because he's been there. He's been around it with Saban in Alabama. He put together a really good roster himself at Oregon. And you are absolutely on the money when you talk about some of those past matchups. It's so glaring. You know, it's such a – it's not even a slap in the face. It's like a punch to the throat of realizing what those guys have and what we don't have. And I – you know, I also think we'd be remiss if we didn't go back to what you framed that as. And you said player development in that part. Uh, that's a big part of that construct, and it's a big part of what they haven't had. You know, part of it is they've gotten the raw talent on campus. It just hasn't really evolved much from that point. And I certainly don't think line of scrimmage they've been where they've needed to be. But there have been some good players who have walked in there that had offers from those other programs. So it's not like they were overrated out of high school. But what happens to them once you get them on campus and then two years down the road when you see those same guys from that same class on the field sometimes is, is night and day different depending on the developmental aspect of a program. Uh, the late kick with Josh Pate. Josh Pate, our guest here on the show. Um, what happens in February? We still have there's still time to go. We still have more signing, and uh, we still have the portal. What do you expect Mario Cristobal to do in the next couple of months? Well, they won't stop now. They will. They'll squeeze every drop out of it that they possibly can. But they'll also already have. I mean, they've already had one eye on 2024 for a while. But they will hardcore shift into 2024 mode today. And they will start to put finishing touches and cherries on top of this 2023 class. But I also think that, you know, it's terrible to not make a bowl. But it could be that two years down the road, Miami fans look back and say, now that we realize the extra time they got to invest in recruiting and being on the road because they weren't bowl prepping, it may have been the best thing for us. And so I'm just trying trying to paint a little bit of light at the end of that dark, dark tunnel right now in December. I think February as a whole in college football, has become very uneventful in terms of signing day. I think it's going to be a lot more about how many guys go into the portal after the playoff. Because with those four playoff teams, they may have some players on their team that could contribute, and you don't know they're going in the portal yet. Georgia had nine guys off their title team last year after the national title game go in the portal. So that's, I think, a lot of what they'll be paying attention to as well. It's funny you say that because I'm I'm having these flashbacks, and this all probably goes into how recruiting has changed over the last 20 years. But when Miami was at their peak and playing in championship bowl games, playing in the Rose Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl, I can remember wandering in uh, to a to a coach's meeting, trying to get you know getting uh, trying to get uh, prepped for national championship game, and. Uh, you had a coaching staff with uh, divided attention, right, trying to prepare for a championship game. And in those years, recruiting was much later than it is now, just getting players. And there was just uh, the curse of the championship seasons where you were so far behind in recruiting because you're trying to win a championship, yet uh, also trying to be out on the road uh, recruiting players. But uh, it has changed so much now. And I think this early thing has is, is, is probably helped uh, the majority of the programs, especially the contenders? I, You know, I look at it from this angle. I think the way the December calendar is constructed in college football is embarrassing right now. It really it reeks of being put together by someone who doesn't understand yeah. or has never been in the line of fire in this industry. Because when you're talking about stacking 
hiring season, NIL and portal, early signing day, and bowl prep. Oh, and by the way, and there's Christmas. I don't know if anyone remembers that. All that stuff's happening in the same month when there's no excuse for it. Um, I have a problem with that. See, I'm a believer the early signing day is a good thing, but I'm also a believer and have done some pretty extensive research on it that we would be totally fine as a sport positioning the early signing day before the season starts. I'm talking about late July and getting that out of the way for kids who are ready to get it out of the way because the early the early visits have already been shifted up anyway. We went into yesterday with 92% of our top 247 already committed somewhere. That's never happened before. So kids have already started making decisions earlier. And then NIL allows a coach to say, hey, when we've got this kind of money on the line, I need an answer from you. We can't be taking this all the way to signing day. So there are a lot of reasons why I believe we could move that timetable up even more, and you still have your February signing day afterwards. So if you don't want to sign early, you don't have to, but having all this in December is kind of crazy. No, I, I agree with that. By, by the way, I think it would help uh, – listen, a lot of these high school kids, the, 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 um, the, the teams are stacked, right? So they, they've got that on their mind, and uh, I think it would help the high school kids because – a leader on a high school team could stand up in July, like you said, and and he would he he would be able to tell his teammates, let let's get this out of the way so that we're concentrating on our season. Let's make our decisions, and we can concentrate on our season, uh, so we don't have that dividing us. I completely agree with that, and I'll tell you where the benefit is from the players' perspective as well. It really makes coaching staffs be sure of offers they're putting out. Because if you're putting out offers and you know signing day is in July before a kid's senior year, you better make sure that offer is committable. Because once he jumps on that offer and he commits, uh, you're also, if you ever move that date up, I can assure you it's going to coincide with legislation from the NCAA that says you can't be revoking a kid's scholarship uh, in November or December if after a little while you realize, oh, we can get better players than that. That's not going to be the way. In this era, they're never going backwards on the players' rights sort of thing. So it really makes you fine-tune your characteristics and your criteria for what constitutes a committable offer. All right, before I let you go, uh, I know this is a tough question, but uh, look into your crystal ball a little bit, no pun intended there. Uh, from this class, who do you think will contribute or help Mario Cristobal on the field next year? I love the offensive tackle out of, uh, I believe he comes from American Samoa, Malioga. I I love that guy. I had, I had a former NFL offensive lineman. I always have this guy just give me comps and scouting reports on all the tackles in the class and guards and centers and whatnot. And he said, that one right there, that one looks like a well-developed sophomore in high school. And the thing about him is I think he's about 6'6", 335. And at first glance, he does not look like a franchise edge protector. Then you look at his measurables, 81-inch wingspan, uh, got the ankles, got the hip width, got the shoulder width, got everything that you need. He's very, very quick. Uh, he's an insane athlete. I would encourage the listeners, if you if you want to go watch some alternate sports highlights of him, basketball, uh, I believe he's a track and field guy maybe. It's just he's doing stuff he should be able to do at half that size, much less his size. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I'm looking forward to that entire offensive line class, actually. I'm really focused on them. All right. Uh, Josh Pate has been our guest, the host of The Late Kick with Josh Pate. And uh, tell our listeners how they can watch you. Well, it's on the Late Kick YouTube channel or Late Kick, wherever you get your podcast. We try and make it as easy for the listener or viewer as possible. You just watch and listen on your terms. We do a live show Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday nights. 
although it's the holiday season, so our schedule's kind of off right now. But you can watch it at your leisure. The replays are up there. And it's really – I think it's the kind of college football talk that, quite frankly, there's not enough of on the national level anymore. And since there's a shortage of it, we decided to try and fill the board ourselves and are really lucky to have the support of CBS Sports behind us. All right, very good. Josh Pate's been our guest. Thank you, Josh. We really appreciate it. All right, I appreciate you having me. All right, we'll continue on the show right after this. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.